everybody, and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota. I'm Stephanie Hansen, and the Makers of Minnesota is a podcast where we talk to cool people doing cool things in the state of Minnesota. We love to talk to the folks in the food and beverage industry, and I'm here with Brad Glynn, who's the owner and vice president of marketing of LiftBridge. And you guys have been around the block in the brewing industry, but you're bringing us into the local future of hard seltzer. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, LiftBridge has been around since 2008. And uh, in 2008, we were actually the 12th brewery in the state of Minnesota, which is crazy to think of right now. Yeah, because there's like 100, 150, right? Yeah, 150 plus seems like every other day you hear about a new one. So um, it's it's a great honor to have been around that long, and we've uh, grown the what we think is the right way, pretty organically, um, not overstepping, and and really making some you know strategic uh, brands uh, throughout our, our our history. And and hard seltzer would be that sort of strategic push as well. So let's talk about that because you've had Farm Girl, um, which is the is it saison? Is that yep, how you pronounce a saison, it? Yeah. Um, you've also had some other beers that you've developed along the way, and you guys are right positioned sort of between Minneapolis and or excuse me between Minnesota and Wisconsin. Too. Right on the river. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm assuming both of those markets are strong markets for you? Yes, absolutely. You know, there's less population in western Wisconsin yeah. than eastern Minnesota, certainly. But um, yeah, we have moved into Wisconsin, Madison, Milwaukee, and we are right on the river. Um, you know, it's a lot of outdoors activities as well on the on the river. So that's kind of transcendent of both Minnesota and Wisconsin. So you've got the um, beer in cans. You've also got the tap room. Yes. And is the tap room, how would you describe it? Well, our tap room, it's interesting. We're, we're probably a smaller tap room. We don't have a kitchen. Uh, we have food trucks every now and again, and we have some great snacks. But um, actually, when we moved into our facility, there was no tap room law. So we, we had offices, and we didn't really intend on having a tap room because we couldn't really sell beer direct to the public. So when that happened, we kicked ourselves out of our office and created a, a pretty cozy uh, atmosphere. There's about seating for 49 or so, um, a lot of warm wood, a lot of uh, kind of St. Croix Valley uh, character going on. And it's cozy and it's fun and it's great people. So it's it's all those things people love in a tap room, but we're not this, you know, a big, uh, big restaurant. <laughs> right, right. Do, does that appeal to you to expand in that way in the future? Or do you look to events and things your neighbors are doing out down there on the river to be like your tap room, as it were. Um, yeah, we we definitely probably want to do some more food. Um, again, it's part of the experience of matching, whether it be uh, beer or hard seltzers. We have sodas now too, so we see a lot of families come in and they're bringing food or they're having to leave and go get food. So, kind of rounding out that experience would be nice to have food. So, when we look at like our uh, next brewery, which we're planning right now, um, we'd, we'd like, love to have a, a kitchen option. So you're building another whole brewery? Yeah, we've outgrown our space uh, and we've we've really ex- you know, ex- exercised all resources as far as what, what we can do at our existing space. So we're actively looking right now. We announced last year uh, we had an option on some land uh, nearby us. So we're still pursuing that uh, with you know banks and final equipment selection. Stuff just takes a lot longer than, than we had hoped, but it's expensive. And again, as I mentioned, you know, we, we've been around 11 years because I think we've made some some smart, frugal decisions versus, um, you know, go, stepping outside of, of where we're super comfortable. So um, we feel like the next brewery we really need to have dialed in. It's a big undertaking. So we want to have it done right. How many people are you in business with? Um, in terms of our employees, um, partners, partners, uh, there's four of us. OK. So. And then how many employees? 
Uh, we have about uh, 22 or so full-time employees and about another 40 part-time between the tap room and beer ambassadors that go out and do tastings. So uh, it's quite a, a lot of people too. And yeah. we, we, you know, we've had employees that have been with us five, six, seven years. At now they're getting married and starting families. So like it, that's really cool. It's really neat to see. Um, but it's also a lot of responsibility too. We so want to make sure we yeah, do the right thing. Um, when our we had a business for 12 years before we sold it, and many of the people that we hired in the beginning were right out of college, you know, and they matured with us too, got married, got their first home, had children. And you just have a real sense of wanting to take care of these people that have spent most of their career with you so far. Yeah. And it's pressure. You know, and and grow. And we want them to feel satisfied in their careers. You and know? that there's opportunities for yeah, them. For sure. A lot of people are wondering if the craft beer market is saturated and if we're going to start to see people go out. And at that time, you're looking to expand. Does that make you nervous at all? Or do you feel like you've already got your toe firmly planted in, in the marketplace? Yeah, we feel pretty comfortable. We're um, at our f- existing facility. We've, we've really outgrown our capacity a few years ago. So we're working with some other local brewers to um, do our beer for us. And, and to meet and, the demand. Yeah, meet the demand. So we know the market's there. We're growing this year. We're already up over almost 40% over last. So um, What do you attribute that to? Is it the hard seltzer? That and innovation over the last year. We've um, completed a transition from bottles into cans completely. Yep. We've come out with some new packages. Um, we've been really consistent in our branding. I think we've, we've just uh, done a really good job of that. We've hired a few new salespeople as well and we've really um you know gotten in the right places with the right products with the right branding (laughs) and all all those things need to happen for you know you to have uh, sustained success which as you mentioned there's a lot of other competition right now a lot of other craft brewers a lot of other cool new products aside from just the trends of okay now it's ipas now it's northeast ipas new england style ipas now it's milkshake ipas There's a ton of different trends going on, too. So it's deciding, you know, what can we do? What can we do well? How can we brand it well and package it so people are going to actually buy it? So it's 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 a lot, but I think we've, we've done that. And, and I think with this uh, Seltzer brand extension, it's very consistent with our existing branding and all that. So we've been pretty deliberate on, on wanting to make things consistent and make sense. <laughs> Before I ask you about the Seltzer, we're seeing a lot of trends for the sour beers and the hazy beers. Do you guys offer any of that? Yeah, actually, uh, this year we did a New England-style IPA called Juice Z, and that came out at the start of spring, which has been great. It's a little bit more of a sessionable. Um, Thank goodness. New England style. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of them are over 8%. And it, it kind of when we were looking at it, we wanted to do about a 45 to 5% one that, yeah. that still has that bright pineapple pungent uh, hop aroma and and uh, kind of creamy mouthfeel, but um, not have it be 8%. So we did that. And, and then, can, it's Hoppa Z. Is that the name of it? Juice Z. Juice Z. Yeah. Okay. It's got like a Godzilla type character, but it's original artwork, so don't con- confuse it with uh, Godzilla. Okay. So <laughs> no, I like Godzilla. Yeah, no, I love Godzilla. We just don't want to get sued. But um, uh, then we just came out with a sour, an apricot sour. Oh, um, nice. Called Jibe Talking. So that's hitting the stores actually this week. So that's really exciting for us. And it's more of a tart, um, not overly sour. It's got a great tartness. Uh, that apricot really comes through in the aroma too. Great for the summer. And again, around that 5.5% mark not overly crazy uh, in terms of alcohol so 
All right. So your job is the marketing guy, right? So you're thinking all the time about brand and trying to stay on brand and when you're going to launch a brand and how you're going to launch a brand. And I know there's a lot of pressure on you guys to always have the latest and the greatest and the newest. How long does a brand percolate in your mind before you actually get it into the can? Um, uh, That's a great question. It's actually been extended quite a bit over the last several years um, due to product limitations in terms of uh, the actual cans. Um, For instance, these seltzers that we released, we actually ordered cans back in November of last year. So we actually had the branding all done. We had, I dialed in the flavors kind of throughout that time as well. Um, But we really had all that done in mid-2018. And now we're just launching cans. Here it is in June of 2019. So that, that, a lot of that has to do with the cans. We're not wrapping cans. We're not labeling cans. These are actually printed cans. You have to order a truckload of them and the can manufacturers are just that backlog. So uh, in that regard, things get pushed back a bit. So we have to, like right now, a lot of projects we're working on are for spring and summer of 2000, uh, 2020. Yeah. So that's that's how far we're usually thinking about a year in advance. Um, for some smaller brands, that we, do, we have done some wrapped cans and such um, where we'll just do a few thousand cases of and get it out here locally. Uh, we did a dessert stout series, and that took about three months to, I guess, work through brand, right. get the labeling, get it approved, um, and then produce the actual uh, package and then the the beer really takes you know four to eight weeks depending on on the beer style but um, yeah it's a lot of it. it has to do with the branding and getting all that stuff figured out let's start I know you've mentioned the hard seltzer it's sitting here right in front of me so it's Liftbridge hard seltzer it's Northwoods juice box is one of the brands that's a cranberry and juicy apple St. Croix berries blackberry raspberry and strawberry and then a Voyager citrus, which is lemon, lime, grapefruit, and orange. You worked on these a year before they actually came out. What were you seeing in the marketplace that made you decide you needed to add a hard seltzer to your brand? Or even to get into the soda market, because both of those are so competitive. Right. And the, the last few years, um, with seltzers anyway, um, we you know it's, it's undeniable. You look at the market you look at what your friends are drinking, you look at what people are drinking at the bar, it, there's a ton of hard seltzers. It's, and it's, it's not like a specific uh, demo either. Like I've seen, you know, I'll hang out at the bar with 24-year-old construction worker dudes and they're pounding White Claws, you know, I, and all the way up to my mother-in-law who was drinking uh, St. Croix berries all weekend. She loved it, right? Yep. So it's, um, it, it's, it's really kind of undeniable and the numbers are there, all the Nielsen ratings and you see the... IRI reports and all the, um, you know, they were up, I think, 200% last year. This year, it's probably on pace for about the same 200 to 250% up. And I think the perception is, is that people, that the brewers were creating these products so that they could attract women. And you're saying, yeah, women are great, but it's also a lot of other people too. Yeah. I mean, I drink them. Um, last, last night, every Wednesday, we have a softball t- team that we um, lift bridge uh, sponsors and I bring a cooler beer and seltzers and the seltzers go first. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's part also being active and outdoors and, and, and wanting to be a little bit healthy and seasonal, right? They're just very refreshing. So I think it was more so too, we were just looking at like, like we did with beer, when, you know, 20 years ago, there was a lot of um, lighter beers without a lot of flavor and craft brewers, home brewers um, also decided, hey, why don't we make beer, but like, let's have it taste good and yeah. be like relevant to us and let's experiment a little with it and have fun. That's that's where the whole craft 
beer movement came from. So we apply that same principle to seltzers in that, hey, we're drinking them. Our friends are drinking them. We enjoy them. How could we do those? And how can we make them regionally relevant? How can we ex- experiment the flavors? And is the taste, I mean, you're going to tell me yes, but do you think they taste better than like the national, like White Claw or Truly or whatever the other national ones are? I mean, I think so. Uh, certainly, like you said, I'm biased. Um, we have heard that from a lot of folks though, uh, who who try it. I think right now, too, it's it, it's all really month to month, too, which is crazy to think. But you're seeing a lot of those bigger national brands come out with very uh, much lighter, like there's a race to be the lowest calorie as well. Yeah. Um, so what they're doing is trimming alcohol. They're trimming sugar. So now you have a 70-calorie one that I just saw out that's 42 five percent alcohol or no it's less three point seven percent alcohol and it's zero grams of sugar added well that's great but at the end of the day you're left with a pretty flavorless product that's actually not got very much alcohol in it so why are you drinking it right right so ours we keep at five percent alcohol and that gets you 80 calories right off the bat in 12 ounces so there's nothing you can do to avoid that we found that between adding you know we messed around with either one gram two gram three gram added sugar and really two gram for us was the best combination of uh that sweetness to carry the flavor amplify the flavor and not have it taste kind of bitter or like tonic water Uh and um but also only add you know a dozen calories so so really we're at under 120 calories which is kind of where we want to be with it and the flavors we've really worked hard to do all natural flavoring um again trying to be more regionally relevant like with juice box having uh, the cran apple, which there never has been a you know truly or white claw haven't come out with a cran apple, maybe they will now, but um, um, and cranberries and apples, obviously, so midwestern cranberries being hailing a lot from Wisconsin and apples from Minnesota, yeah, absolutely, so that it's really relevant and that really speaks to you know to our our direct customers, so like I said, we're trying to attack it from that angle, like how can we make it, put our stamp on it. And that's why we went with the branding, too. We didn't want to create some separate line with some, you know, trendy four, five-letter word that no one knows what it means. We just wanted to be, this is Liftbridge Hard Seltzer. We're standing behind it. We put, you know, Liftbridge on the on the label. And, and, and therefore, you should know it's good. Yeah. Because you guys uh, care about your products a lot. Yes. In terms of the marketing of it, like... Do you now want to take, I mean, I would assume this is like something you can take to events, something you can do for sponsorships. Do you look at that as a way to break into it? Or are you more looking at it as a compliment to the what's going on at the brewery and the tap room? Yeah, I think it's a compliment. Um, you see the market in general and, and really everything, the, the beauty of, of the market is it's all consumer driven, right? If people are asking for it, whether you're target field or whether you're our tap room or the liquor store down the street, if people are asking for it, you're going to put it out there. And as the more people start drinking it, the more you're going to, you know, um, feature, right? So like target field, this year featured juice box on tap at bat 34. Um, obviously that's awesome. It's a huge venue and, you know, six years ago, if you were to say, yeah, there'll be an MLB baseball team featuring a hard seltzer on draft, right. people would think you're crazy. But right now it makes sense and it's doing really well. So at events, I mean, from county fairs to I'm one of the organizers of Lumberjack Days, we'll be featuring our hard seltzer there at, at big events too because people want it and it, it, it's great for the summer. And, you know, what giving people that option is, is something that everyone needs to be interested in. 
On behalf of folks in the eastern Twin Cities, can I say thank you for rescuing Lumberjack Days? <laughs> You're very welcome. It kind of it was a heritage festival, and it had a little weird management problem sort of along the way. And you are one of the people that came in and helped revive that so that it can continue to happen. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. It's a festival favorite, and it was such a bummer when it was going away. Everybody was like, no. Yeah, and it's great. And Liftbridge, you know, obviously has, has been behind it and afforded me the, the luxury of the time it takes to plan that and, of course, some of the sponsorship dollars um, behind it as well. So, I mean, it's all about community and making that festival Teach the culture of the St. Croix Valley once again. Yeah, we just got, I work on Stone Arch Bridge Festival, and it's, it also started as a way to bring people back to the riverfront. And this was before, you know, there were any condos or any development down there. Um, similar situation, a guy that had some investment along the riverfront was like, people need to know that this is a cool spot and started to do the festival. And it's, I mean, it's a full-time job. It's a lot of work. And so I appreciate that you do that as well. Um, what is the hardest part about your job? Um, probably just day to day, um, trying to prioritize, especially when we're thinking about a year in advance, um, what flavors should we come out with? We're talking about, you know, some new seltzers for next year. What, what flavors we can look at. Where do you get ideas from? Everywhere. Restaurants. I don't know. I'll have a dish and I'm like, Ooh, that combination of lemongrass and, you know, lemon was really nice in that or or whatever um or or just what's going on in the national market working with some of our suppliers again we work pretty closely with our suppliers in terms of um sourcing these natural extracts that um they'll actually give us some heads up like hey by the way uh, you know this year mango was crazy and we're like well yeah well, we've been doing mango for a couple of years and it has been crazy but they'll give us kind of some heads up what's what's getting uh, traction in the market too uh, maybe some new extracts that they're doing that are, are natural, organic, that we might be interested in. So it's it's really a combination. And then we just brainstorm. So we have Google Docs going around our whole company. And anyone in our company, we ask beer ambassadors if they're out doing a tasting and they see something that's kind of interesting, bring it back. Throw it up. You know, throw it up. We'll see. You know, and let's brainstorm it. And, and then we can just experiment and see what we like, what we don't like. Are you in charge of the social media as well? Uh, I am indirectly. Christina um, is our marketing coordinator, and she does a great job doing uh, our social media, Instagram, all that. So, yeah. Um, but you set the strategy with her and kind yes. of the backbone of it? Yep. Um, have you noticed changes in social media and what resonates more and what you have to do more rather than less? Absolutely, yeah, um, and we're we're targeting a lot more um, local influencers with you know on Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, and a little bit less reliance on Facebook. I think everyone understands now, even that print media. You know, as much as I love reading the newspaper every Sunday morning, uh, Monday through <laughs> Saturday, it's you typically not my thing. So, um, and we're seeing that in numbers. So, whereas you know, ten years ago we were putting ads in the Stillwater Gazette and you know some other publications. Now we're definitely directing a lot more attention towards. Um, social media, Instagram, especially doing a lot of great photography, um, which is awesome in the St. Croix Valley. We have a lot of great venues and a lot of great backdrops for, for pretty cool photography too. And a lot of beer and life things, a little more lifestyle. Um, how does this, and I've always been that way, like beer and drinking has always been part of my just culture. Like when I go on a hike, well, I need to bring a cooler. It needs to be a soft side cooler that I can wear on my back because I'm going to be hiking, but I want drinks um, when I'm done, that kind of thing. So um, a lot more lifestyle stuff where, hey, bring this 
bring this product out with you and, you know, have that be more of your lifestyle too. And it is different. Like if I think about just Instagram, you know, a beer company, you're thinking like fairly manly and not that women don't drink beer because they do. But now like that whole lifestyle of the man, burly, lumberjack, bearded guy, drinker in the tap room or out at a ball game is a very different person than you know, the 45-year-old mom who's out at the soccer game with her kids with the soft-sided cooler pretending they're not drinking, you know, hard seltzer, right? <laughs> yeah, or, or Pinot Grigio. But, uh, yeah, that's what it, that's, that's how it is. And all of, all of the above are friends and customers. So we're not, you know, we want to um, not, everyone can certainly come. not alienate anyone. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like anyone can certainly buy our seltzer as long as you're over 21. <laughs> yep. Do you but. get involved in the influencer marketing in terms of like do you have events do you hire influencers who looks like a good brand ambassador for you do you actually get involved in hand selecting those people and how do you find them sure and we we're just out in the market you know we're we're obviously very active on instagram and seeing who else is um in terms of lifestyle and kind of what what fits our brand so some are easier than others. There's like, I don't know, we can mention a few, but like Farm Girl Stable is one that we, you know, yep. early on we're like, well, we have Farm Girl and she's Farm Girl Stable. That sounds really awesome. Like, hey, let's reach out and see if anything can make sense. Uh, we do send out a lot of stuff too, just to make sure people know about new products that are coming out. And again, that's more of information. I mean, people right now, you know, aren't reading the paper in the morning. They're they're going on Instagram and Facebook for for news like what's new it's news right so people like yourself and and other um social media influencers are actually giving people the news like what new products are coming out what new restaurant opened and what did they really like on that menu right i mean it's important actually so um we do absolutely do some i guess i wouldn't call it hand selection but you know we look at what's who's out there and we talk to people and just see what could be cool we we certainly love to get people to the brewery so we host uh, you know events every now and again when we have a new product coming out um to try to get people in front of the product and and let let their fans know what what it's all about is there a um dollar amount that like you see influencers within the twin cities kind of commanding per post just as a general no i we really haven't gotten into a lot of that so i i would say that more of what we do is send out product and the the cool story and and then we offer some other things like we've um the last well we went to a twins opener this year and we brought around a a couple couple folks and Mm -hmm. you know so it wasn't like here i'll give you a 100 bucks if you post this it was more like hey why don't you tag along for the day more organic we'll pick up your lunch or whatever but you know we'll be we'll be pounding lift bridge all day long Uh, you know i i hope i I mean maybe it's going that way i don't know you probably know better than i do but you know part of me hopes that it, it doesn't get to the point where you're actually you know set dollar amounts for set number of impressions or something i I don't know i think it's both and i think you know what you mentioned about the way that you like to run your business is pretty organic in nature i think that there are still a lot of opportunities to do that it takes longer and it's it's harder because you really have to be immersed in the community and know who these people are and then you have to want to spend time with them and they have to want to spend time with you you know if a national brand comes in and they want to make a splash in the twin cities they're probably just going to hire people at 100 or 200 bucks a post right right um but i think you as a local person and kind of knowing where your your brand ambassadors might lie that's an advantage 
Yep. And it, it keeps getting more and more organic each day, too, with, you know, uh, whether it be, you know, there's two people with 50,000 followers or, you know, now there's, you know, there's 50 with 1,000. Yep. So, I mean, either way, um, you, you can reach a lot more people than you ever be able to, than you ever used to be able to um, in and a I more think, genuine way. Yeah. I and I think there is attraction for a marketer like yourself to the 50 people with 1,000 followers versus almost the two people with the 50,000 followers because it's sort of like spreading the word if you've got 50 actual people versus two. Right. You, you know what I mean? Sure. It's it's kind of interesting how the micro-influencer trend is taking hold. Yeah. And again, it's something you can you can definitely spend time on. And again, I, I think it's it's great for, for people like yourself too. And I don't want to say that I, you know, we don't pay anyone or we sure. wouldn't ever because I mean, people have to make a living too. Yeah. You know, you're dedicating time and effort. Uh, so that's, that's definitely something that, that we recognize. Um, but it's ever evolving. So we just try to keep staying ahead and, and it is weird. Yeah. Because there's very few people that are like leaving their day jobs to go be social media influencers. Right. Mm-hmm. Yet there are some people that probably are on the cusp of being able to make it more in the big time. And, and just like any marketing, like you have the Star Tribune as the big newspaper, and then you have all the little ones that still all marketing avenues can work if done the right way, right? Or purchased the right way. Oh, correct. Yeah. And it's, again, who who's your audience? So yeah. We just turned down a tasting that we had to spend money on for a, a show that really wasn't our market. Um, it was another food and beverage product, but it just didn't make sense. So right. we're like, well, let's just focus energy on like, you know, either this other beer fest or this other tasting that makes more sense. People come to you all the time, I'm assuming, with opportunities like that. Is having, um, like, I always think having a dinner is interesting because particularly with, like, seltzers and cocktails, people don't know how to pair that with food. Beer, we're getting a little more sophisticated. Wine, certainly. But, like, I've, I've gone to a cocktail-paired dinner, and it was really fascinating, very interesting. And I could see you doing dinners with your flavors, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. And again, kind of that gets back to the lifestyle thing, too. I mean, when we either host friends at our house or we go out on a boat or or we're just, you know, taking a walk with a few friends with the dogs kind of thing, you part of bringing that product is that's that becomes part of that experience. So if you're going out to dinner or having friends over for dinner or something, too, it's it's okay to be mindful of, hey, I made this great salad with the citrus vinaigrette. Why don't you try it with the the citrus Mm -hmm. seltzer and see how that plays with each other? Or, you know, here's this dessert with with some cinnamon and, and this and that. The crane apple would actually get, kind of go good with that. Let's try that. You know, and it just makes it more fun. Will it kill you to know that sometimes I drink these hard seltzer drinks and then I water them down with just soda water? Oh, I thought you were going to say you water them down with vodka or tequila. I've done that, or... too. I've absolutely <laughs> done that, too. Uh, kind of the double dip, we call that. Yep. Um, especially like, you know, this one might make a great Moscow mule and... Uh, yeah, I've definitely done that. But I also think with some of these drinks that you can kind of control, like if you're going to be out on the boat all day, if you're going to be able to do like half and halves, you know, you, you can be out and... Yep. Well, um, and you put in a big glass with a lot of ice, it's going to dilute anyway. You're yeah. You're going to sip on it. That's kind of how I drink my ciders. Exactly. And so I do too. And, and that's something that, you know, you're not going to put beer on ice necessarily unless you're you know, crazy from Northern Wisconsin or something, but I actually do. It drives my <laughs> no. husband insane. Yeah. Um, but the, the one great thing, and you, you mentioned it is that you can kind of regulate a little bit better. I have bars that I go to and like before they had a lot of seltzers out, you know, if I was feeling full or whatever, I'd, I have vodka sodas all the time, yeah. vodka soda splash of 
crayon and a lime, whatever. Um, you never really knew how much vodka you were getting, depending on the bar. I kind of had an idea because I know some bartenders would give me like a lot, yep. and others, you know, are a little skimpy. So you kind of get get that idea, but you never know if you're getting three shots or a shot and a half. Right. Whereas now this, you know, if you have this in a bar, you know you're getting twelve ounces of five percent alcohol liquid. So it's very regulated, and and that 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 makes it a little bit safer from the consumer angle yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people. There is a trend that we're seeing towards more, I don't want to say responsible drinking because that assumes that we were all irresponsible, but wanting to be in the culture of what this is, but not wanting to be heavy alcohol consumption. Yep. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we all have busy lives, so... You know, I can have a, a drink at lunch or something or a beer at lunch, which is fine, and, and maybe a couple during dinner. But if I have something else to do, like I have to go pick up a kid or something, I I want to make sure I have like one 5% alcohol yep. beverage while I'm eating and then I'm fine. Well, if I have that, you know, three three vodka shot at drink at, at the bar, then I'm not so sure yeah. I'm, you yep. know, I'm okay or not. So so that that is important. Yeah. It's interesting that um, people are starting to pay more attention to that. Um, when you look at like, do you guys do radio advertising or radio partnerships as a marketer? I'm just curious that industry has changed so much too. And mm-hmm. do you also look at podcasts as a way to get the word out? Yeah, we've done both. We've sponsored a few, uh, podcasts, um, uh, that are very beer centric. Um, we actually have a great partnership with 93 X with our brotherhood beer mm-hmm. that we do over the last four years. We've raised a ton of money for the military, uh, Minnesota military family foundation through that partnership. And we've been featured at a lot of rock shows and a lot of cool stuff around town. They're a, a you know, one of the bigger radio stations around town so that actually we have that a little bit of exclusivity with them. So we haven't done a lot of other radio yep. to be honest. Um, but that's that's been about the extent of it. Um, but it, it's still out there. Radio has changed, but it's still a lot of people are still listening. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it can be if you can get the right partnerships, a very yeah. viable. But podcasts are great. I mean, I listen. That's I listen to a podcast the whole way here. What'd you listen to? Uh, Packernet podcast. What's it about? It's about Packers. Oh, I'm Packernet. A, I'm a Green, Sorry, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. So no, I that's how I get my Packers news because it's either that or listen to Paul Allen just make me want to you know to rip my eardrums out about how awesome the Vikings are going to be this year. But um, so I need to you know get that other news somewhere else. Yeah. and and we'll listen to other uh, Skull North. Have you checked that out? No, yet? no, that's not on my list. I don't know. Um, but there's a lot of beer marketer ones as well. There's beverage marketer ones. There's just marketing ones in general. There's, and there's a number of beer, beer ones here locally that I, I do pay attention to. Do you, what app do you use for listening to podcasts? I use iTunes. Okay. It's a really handy app and some people use like Stitcher and Spotify is getting into the game now too. Yeah. Stitcher, it seems like you can get a lot of different, uh, format or a lot of different, uh, platforms into one but um itunes has been fine with me and it syncs with my car and all that stuff so yep. i don't have to yep. do much yeah well thank you for supporting podcasts we're obviously a podcast and trying to get the word out it seemed like it's really bubbling up now where people are like wait how do i do this and i'm at the gym and this lady hands me her phone she's like show me how to put a podcast on my phone <laughs> so <laughs> it is cool yeah yeah and especially for that working out or if i'm driving a half hour perfect half hour podcast and i'm there yeah that's interesting too because we're in the industry trying to figure out like what's how long and 
you know, you have Joe Rogan, who's three and a half hour long podcasts. And then other people are saying, like, just do it the length of a commute. So what's the length of a commute? You know, 20 to 30 minutes. Exactly. That's what I like. Do you listen to Joe Rogan? Are you into the whole? No, a little bit. I have. And he's had some funny bits. I've I've usually listened to just clips and bits. So, yeah, it's a long time to devote to <laughs> one man's evangelizing. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Um, well, this is really exciting. Uh, it's Liftbridge Hard Seltzer. We've been talking to Brad Glynn, Vice President of Marketing and one of the founders. Thank you for being a guest on Makers of Minnesota. Thank you very much. And try our seltzers.